0: Traveling the world, searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network.
1: Equestrians of all breeds to all countries in the in the equestrian industry. Uh, this is Scott Miller here with the International Equine Report. And we're going to do a little something different here today. We're going to kind of take a... A vacation tour of some of the different uh, facilities, equestrian facilities across the U.S. Uh, next week we'll talk, be doing international facilities from Japan and from Hong Kong and from Europe. Uh, but uh, this this week we're starting with the uh, U.S. facilities, and uh, it's something now that we can uh, start planning for uh, in the springtime and the summertime. It's best to always try to prepare uh, three to four months in advance so you can arrange accommodations such as uh, airline tickets, um, uh, you know, car rentals, uh, hotels, that type of thing. Uh, That's what we're trying to do here at the International Equine Network is get you on the inside so that you can enjoy your stay and have something to look forward to. And the first stop on our uh, journey today will be the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, it's a beautiful park, uh, just unbelievable. Um, they've got camping. They've got a good swimming pool. They've got a good general store. They've got a restaurant. So they've got any and everything that you could uh, want around there, and plus they have a lot of equestrian events. And um, that, that's the Kentucky Horse Park. And I'm going to give you a little bit of the history of the Kentucky Horse Park. It's a unique and different um, in the way it, it came about. Um, there have been horses on these grounds for the last 200 years. In 1777, Patrick Henry, then governor of Virginia, granted 9,000 acres of land in the Kentucky Territory to his brother-in-law uh, William Christian as a reward for his service to the French and in Indian War. A wealthy Virginian, Colonel Christian, moved his family to Kentucky in 18 in 1785 and established a farm on Beargrass Creek near Louisville. Christensen was killed by the Indians in, in 1786, and his daughter Elizabeth Dickerson inherited the Elkhorn Creek track of 3,000 acres uh, of land in both Scott and Fayette counties. Part of this land became the Kentucky Horse Park. Elizabeth eventually sold the largest section of her land to her brother-in-law, Dr. Wal- Walter Warfield. Um, he in turn sold it to his colleagues, Dr. William H. Richardson in 1826. Richardson named his uh, new land Cane Land after the abundance of cane he found growing wild in the Big Spring. Cane Land became known as a beautiful English garden and it was first farm in Kentucky to establish a greenhouse. Richardson was also the first owner to raise thoroughbreds, uh, horses. Uh, well, what other kind of thoroughbreds would there be?
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, I get excited every time I think about the Kentucky Horse Park. We're uh, thoroughbred horses on this section of land in 1840s. The Richardson family was hit hard by a cholera epidemic and was struck in Lexington, and eventually Richardson's family was no more. By 1850, the land had been sold to a person by the name of Alephiot Muir. Alephiot was married to Ann Boone, a niece of Daniel Boone. Together, they further developed the farm and specialized in raising saddlebreads. Uh, After Muir's death, the farm was sold to S.J. Sawyers in order to divide the inheritance between Muir's many children Sawyer's began uh, to once again breed thoroughbreds on the property. He was also responsible for building the residence now used as the offices of the Kentucky Horse Park. Uh, so, when you go to the Kentucky Horse Park, you're going to see a building that's really old and it's really nice and uh, they've done a great job with it there uh, that, they, that they have at the Kentucky Horse Park like they do with everything else there. Um, So, you know, what we're trying to tell you is there's a lot to go there, uh, you know, to look at. Um, Built by 1890, the farm had once again been sold, this time to John D. Creighton. Creighton renamed the land Ashland Wilkes Farm and began to raise and train trotting horses. He built a train track in 1897 that is still used today at the Kentucky Horse Park. Unfortunately, Creighton was uh, forced to sell his farm shortly after that in, in order to pay for his many, many creditors. For a short time after Creighton was forced to sell, the farm was owned by two Lexington bankers. They leased the land to Colonel Milton Young, owner of the Anna Farms, and now Spindletop Farms and Coldstream Farms. He sent several of the standard bread yearlings raised on the property to a New York auction where the agent for Captain Sam S. Brown saw them. Captain Brown liked their looks so much that he purchased their home in order to raise the horses in a similar caliber. So he liked the way things were going there, the water, the lay of the land, and everything. And it what was good. And everything So uh, it just goes to show you That th- these areas that we're talking about Here in Kentucky are, Have been there for a long time So when you go there You're going to see historical evidence Of how the standard bread industry And the third bread industry uh, Grabbed hold of the land in Lexington And took off uh, You know it's just, it's really a great great trip A wealthy coal baron Brand rebuilt the farm And named it Sonora Farm um, stud farm. After one of his favorite uh, bears, he also played a pivotal role in supporting the Kentucky Association of Racetracks in Lexington and eventually developing the new Cayman Racetrack. Um, Brown also built water towers around the farm to pump fresh water to his horses from a spring that never ran dry. So, it goes to show you that, you know, uh, at these parks that we're talking about and that you're going to, there's a lot of thought that went into them for longevity. And um, by pumping the, uh, uh, building the water towers and pumping the water into the water towers uh, from an endless amount of water uh, there in, in, in the farm, um, it, it gave them consistency and they never did have to worry about running out. So you know that, that's really uh, was it was a, a, a great idea that they had. Um, Senorita, uh, Brown stable, uh, good stock at Senorita Farm, which, with a Kentucky Derby winner, Buchanan, in 1884. Brown's death soon began to fail, or Brown's health soon began to fail. He died shortly thereafter. The farm was then offered to public auction,
0: and, uh,
1: Lehman V. Harkins was the buyer. Harkins named the farm Walnut Hill Farm and developed it into the largest, and best-known standard bread farm in the world. He built the farm uh, from 450 acres and 12 mares in 1894 to 2,000 acres and 100 mares in 1904. The big barn, which is still standing at the park, was built by Harkins in 1897. The big barn is 476 feet long and has 52 stalls and a sale area to complete the auctioneer's block. Um, whenever they have their sales there, so it's just really you know interesting to see places like the Kentucky Horse Park and uh, you know things like that to, that are in the business. And you really don't have to know anything at all about the horse business uh, or anything of that. You know, uh, so you don't have to worry about when you go in there because you're going to be entertained. It's a it's a story. You know, it's just, it's history. It's a story. Uh, you know, that, that's why, uh, you know, I like talking about, you know, places like this. Um, and speaking of the horse park there and, and you know, a little bit about where it is and, and you can go see it. Um, uh, during the spring this year on Saturday, March 12, 2022 at 10 a.m., uh, to Sunday, March 13, 2022, uh, 4 p.m., the All Arena. Uh, it's going to be hosting the Kentucky Crafted Market. Um, the market will be open to the public 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. March 12th, and 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on March 13th. The event will open. Uh, the event will be open only to registered wholesale buyers for trade only uh, on trade only day, and that's at uh, 10 to 5 p.m. March 11th. It says more than 80. Um, the Kentucky uh, best visual uh visual and arts and crafts for, um painters, uh you name it they're gonna have it, um, will be there. And uh, they have a craft program that will exhibit uh and sell their works at the market. So you know that you can go get you a nice uh, original uh, original painting, you know, from the Kentucky horse park, um, which is really uh, nice to do. Uh, there is a parking fee of five dollars uh, there, so uh, it's going to be a, a great time, a great weekend that you can go and spend with the family, see the market and, and you're also be available to go to all of the horse park uh, when you go there for that it's just not uh, throughout the whole horse park it's it's getting everything that, uh, that's there five dollars, park your car and go look and uh, that's what we're trying to uh, get across to people out there and enjoy the equine industry. Uh, It's very affordable in many cases uh, when you go to them. Uh, uh, We're going to talk now about traditions and things of that nature. Uh, We're going to talk about the Kentucky Derby uh, Festival, uh, which is uh, just 93 miles away from Lexington. Uh, so, you got a lot of things that you can do there in Lexington and um, see everything and do a lot of things uh, with the Lexington uh, uh, Tourism Bureau, see the farms and things of that nature. But just 93 miles uh, uh, west of uh, Lexington there, uh, you have the Kentucky Derby uh, coming up at the end of the first Saturday in May. And, uh, they've got a week-long uh, festival that lasts 10 days, and it's 10 days prior to the Kentucky Derby, and their mission is to provide creative and unique entertainment and community services for the people of the greater Louisville area that directly contributes to the aesthetic culture, educational, charitable, and economic development of the area. Uh, we, will all, we will organize, promote, and conduct events using the collective efforts and resources of volunteers, small and large businesses, nonprofit profit organizations, and government entities uh, to enhance the positive international recognition, um, economic and cultural development, of, and community image of the greater Louisville area. And they do a fantastic job with this, this little project that they have. Well, it's not a little project anymore. It's really good. Uh, beginning bringing the community together in celebration. We've stretched a famous two minutes into a month-long party uh, what the Run for the Roses is to the horse racing. So, in other words, what they're doing is they're trying to bring the community up to activities and and things for people to do prior to the Derby that's equal to the Derby as far as reputation is concerned. That'll never happen because the Derby is the greatest horse race in the world, and Louisville will slowly getting the... Derby Festival be, festival to be one of the best um, festivals in, in the world, uh, and it's just amazing what they, what they can do, do there. Uh, the festival is one of the premier events of its kind in the world and proud five-time winner of the International Festi- Festivals and Events Association Award for Best Overall Festival. It brings fun and excitement, um, international recognition, and a spirit that is unmatched anywhere in the world. When 1.5 million people gather to celebrate spring and the unique vitality of their community, the focus is on fun and the whimsical uh, aspects of, uh, how how would we say this, a festival. I don't like to call it a festival. I like to call it an event um, because that, that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's just amazing uh, what they do there. We are a community organization of 4,000 volunteers who work all year round to provide quality entertainment that enhances the community, said uh, festival president and CEO Matt Gibson. Produced annually since 1956, the Derby Festival has become a whirlwind of more than 70 special events. So you're not going to be able to see everything all in one day, and that's why it's uh, created a, a 10-day window to come down uh, to you know to see there at the Kentucky Derby Festival. Now the festival blasts off each year with opening ceremonies, Thunder Over Louisville, one of the nation's largest annual fireworks extravaganzas. The ensuing two weeks of excitement and entertainment promises something for everyone. For sports fans, there is basketball, volleyball, and golf. For music lovers, the concerts are almost nonstop, with two-thirds of the festival events free. And that says a lot there when you go there. All you've got to do is worry about parking, and uh, you you go there, and and there are free events that you can go to. That says a festival... Uh, events, free families, uh, can uh, enjoy numerous uh, for ki- numerous activities for the kids without stretching their pocketbooks. And that's really important when you're having a festival to success is the pricing of it. And uh, a lot of these events are really free and enjoyable, and uh, you can have a great time there. Other highlights uh, include a half and full marathon, hot air balloon event, and a live bed race. That bed race is really great because a lot of the businesses uh, get together and they put a usually a full or a king size or queen size bed up on rollers, and um, they dress up in costumes, and uh, they have to have somebody sleeping in the bed as they push the um, uh, the bed down the street uh, and see who can win. It's all about a good, clean, competitive competition. The Great Steam Bros. The Great Steamboat Race pits historic paddle wheelers on the mighty Ohio River. Uh, the event started; that uh, started it all, the Pegasus Parade, marches down Broadway. So you've got a boat race and you've got a Pegasus Parade and the parade is like uh, like the Rose Bowl parade, you know, uh, that type of thing. And it's really good. Uh, they have. Without our concerts, it's Kroger's Festival and the Elegant Phillies Derby Ball dance and dress range from frivolous to fancy. The festivals include several formal affairs as well as casual affairs, foot-stomping good times all around the community, from the elephant ears and corn dogs at the chow wagon to the ethnic and um, pet-friendly cocktail hours uh, that they have at the Kroger Festival, Uh, local wine tasting, uh, with the wide-fast culinary adventures about uh, the, the 10-day celebration. More than just being re, uh, reiterating uh, of how important this is to the community, the Derby Festival generates excess of $127 million for the local economy. Events on the festival schedule also help to raise nearly 300000 for area charities each year. The Commonwealth's largest annual event and one of the world's most popular entertainment attractions, Celebration, is produced by Derby Festival Incorporated, a nonprofit civic organization with a professional staff of 23 and uh, 23 members and a volunteer board of 75. Um, so it's just really a great time to to go and see there in Mobile uh, the. Uh, the festival is a lot better than my announcing is, I guarantee you that, that's for sure. But um, it, it's just, it's great for the family. Uh, the fireworks show, it, it lasts about an hour long. Uh, they have flyover, uh, a lot of, they also have an air show there. Uh, they have a, a flyover military um, airplane. So, you know, it's, it's really an amazing place to go to to see And So you need to start planning that now. Uh, to get there in the spring, and who knows, you might even get to get to go to the Derby uh, that year. They also, uh, in Lexington, uh, going back to Lexington, they had the Rolex three-day event in Lexington that's um, right there towards the end of April. And uh, that's an amazing thing. You know, almost a million people to that and that festival, too, there in a the three-day event, Rolex, at a Kentucky horse park, which is really good. Uh, so, you know, that that's something to start looking at now, I'm making plans for the Kentucky Derby uh,
0: uh,
1: Festival. Uh, is coming up in, in April and May. And, and like we said, uh, a lot of places that uh, we, we go to, uh Tryon Resort. It's two months until the seventh Tryon Blockhouse races on April sixteenth, twenty twenty-one. Um, where will you be in on April sixteenth? In just two months, the seventy-fourth running of uh, the historic Tryon Blockhouse races steeplechase will take place in, in um, gorgeous Green Creek race course. Uh, it's just unbelievable there in Green Creek. It's just so up in the mountains, and it's a beautiful place to go. From Fancy Hats and Crazy Pants, the breathtaking horse races, and festive tailgate step-ups, um, you won't want to miss it. Read below uh, to hear what guests or participants like love about the block house races and how to plan your race day. Experience now. You got to go now, as they say on TV. Now, um, it's a great it's a great event to go to. Um, you know, it's out in the country. It's good good time to go. Uh, just relax with the family, uh, do a little sightseeing and touring of the area, and it's really good. Uh, what keeps spectators coming back? It's not our traditional Derby horse race, uh, where there are hours and days of build up. For merely one lap right on the flat dirt pole with no jumps and uh, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, compare this to uh Churchill and their derby festival and, and it, which is good and this festival is really good too it's really good too now now these these are race horses that go over the hurdles go over the, the fences and the jumps um and it's it's really exciting to see uh, the steeple, uh, At the blockhouse uh, races, steeplechases, every 30 minutes, you get a witness, a new twitchy and amped-up combination of man and steed both through hill climbs, towering jumps, and a race to the finish line. Steeplechase is an experience that brings beauty, drama, and action to all together in one spring day. The grassy tailgating along the fence line and uh, immerses your group into the action, and that's what I like about it. You can pull up there with your vehicle and, and bring in a table and sit right there um, on the uh, side of the racetrack, all over the course, uh, various places. You can whether it's the finish line or the start line, um, it's a great place to go. Uh, you can sit there and tailgate, and you don't have to worry about you know getting a box seat or anything because you're just right there like you're on a picnic. It says um, that they've asked a horse trainer, why steeplechase? Why attend?" You know, because of the beauty of it. Watching a horse jump is so beautiful. It's poetic. Uh, it's an opportunity to enjoy yourself with your friends while beautiful outdoors. Uh, you get a heightened sense of appreciation for the beauty combined with the speed of racing. It's definitely unique and inspirational. The people come to the races because it's exciting, and I am excited to see what kind of party is going to happen this year and, uh, at, um, at the Blockhouse Race. And so that's that's really interesting. You know, you can kind of make your own party. Uh, it's kind of like being at your own home. Make your own party when you go there. Uh, about the track, uh, the track is just a beautiful facility. There, that's um, I really do like. When I go to it, um, you get relaxed. Uh, it's just so it's a great weekend to go, you know, go and look at and relax and enjoy everything. In in partnership with Tryon Riding and Hunt Club, Tryon International Equestrian Center Resorts is proud uh, to present uh, Tryon Blockhouse Races on a fully irrigated and recently updated course for the highest quality of experience for the jockeys and the horses alike. The A-rated mile in the 16th um, course presents a stunning backdrop for a day of tailgating and horse racing. Uh, You know, it's it's great. It's great to be there. Um, The infield, the infield is another thing. I like the Kentucky Derby. they got an infield, but it's like um, uh, being in a corral. Uh, at the Derby, it's fun and it's exciting, but it's not quite like it is the infield and Tryon. It says, um, it, it says it all when you go there, uh, that's what what I like about it. Um, contests will be held for the best hat, crazy pants, and tailgate setups. Celebrating traditional attire and festive decor, typically seen at Steeplechase events. Food trucks will be. Um, will be present to supplement your tailgating needs. Children's activities such as face-painting pony rides um, as well as substantial Easter egg hunt will take um, place alongside cornhole games, entertainers, and more. The admission for children is free. So again, you know, there, this is not going to cost you an arm and a leg, you know, to go to. Uh, it's, it's all fan-friendly and very inexpensive, you know, for uh, a day worth of entertainment for the family. And they can participate in a lot of the events there, like the face painting and the pony rides and, you know, that type of thing. Since gates open at um, 10 a.m., the fun continues all day uh, with races starting at 1 p.m. and continuing every 30 minutes through five races. Tailgate Swatcher are available on the rail, assigned, you'll be assigned a spot when you go in, or in the field, or in the infield, which is unassigned. Um, the unassigned one's kind of nice because you can kind of pick out your spot, but if you want to uh, have a little feeling of uh, security, uh, go to the uh, to the rail and get an assigned spot there for you. Since um, tailgate spots are sold by vehicles, including up to six passengers, with additional passenger tickets available. For more information, go to Tryon backslash Steeplechase dot com. Um, they'll tell you everything that you need to know there. And and you know when you when you go to events like this, like the Derby Festival and the Tryon and all the different places that you can go go to, it's nice to go and do your homework. Uh, if you go to, like, say, the Derby Festival or here to try on to the, to the block uh, horse races, um, what you want to do is educate yourself as much as you possibly can, go to their website, get all the information on it uh, where you can set and have it in front of you, and uh, you can uh, kind of plan out your schedule for it. Uh, how long it takes to get there, where hotels are around there, if they have camping facilities, uh, you know, just what they might have, have there. And that's uh, really a good, good kind of thing to do is really plan it out. And I suggest that uh, you check in each state and each area that you're in. Uh, you can go in and you can Google uh, equestrian events uh, uh, for your area. And you'd be surprised how many events there are in your area. Some of them might be local and, uh, you know, very small. Um, for example, uh, you know, uh, you have a lot of small uh, groups that put on horse shows uh, at their farm or their barn to help support their programs uh, year-round. year uh, You know, uh, uh, you see a lot of that happening, and those are a lot of the good farms to go to because they're really personal, and it's not really, you know, there's not 100,000 people there, and you can really uh, have a great time. And a lot of times, they might do it once, twice, maybe even three times a year, you know, in, in your local area, uh, you know, there for it. So that that's what we're trying to tell everybody. Get out and experience the horse industry. Um, Google uh, equestrian events, my area and you uh, you'd be surprised what all you'll find there and another uh, thing that uh, we like talking about is this, is the whole information that we have called Chucker. it's about international and domestic polo uh, again uh, you have um, the ability to tailgate uh, you'll find out tailgating in the equine industry is really a big thing to do uh, it's kind of it's almost like a NASCAR thing um, you know, where you can uh, go tailgate camp, bring your RVs, you know, that, that type of thing. And um chucker, like I said, is um, uh, about international domestic polo. It's a it's a great sport. A lot of people really don't understand it. And I I I, I myself do have sometimes understanding uh, you know, the, the sport itself, but it's a good sport to watch. And it's an exciting sport to watch. And the thing that I would do uh if I were going to go to a polo match and especially here in South Florida, and if you're down in the area, it just takes a little bit of time and it's very close to um uh the uh, uh polo grounds and the show grounds. It's at ninety eleven Lake Worth Road, Lake Worth, Florida, three three four six seven. Uh their number is five six one. Nine six nine three two one zero, 3210. And uh, this is the, uh, the Polo Hall of Fame. And it is a phenomenal, it's a small building, uh, very nice, well put together, very educational. Uh, the Museum of Polo and Hall of Fame is a not for profit, non not-for-profit educa- educational and organization dedicated to fostering and appreciation of the sport of polo. Its history and development and traditions by acquiring, preserving, and preserving exhibiting the interpreting collections, as well as honoring those uh, who have made our outstanding contribut- contributions to the sport. You know, just think how much fun you're going to have there when you don't have me telling you what it's about or how to get there. You know, you'll enjoy it. You'll understand it more. I guarantee you that. It says, The museum is a rich uh, repository of documents and physical treasures, which include works of art, historic trophies, uh, artifacts, books, statistics, periodicals, films, videos, and recordings um, and memorabilia. And see again, like we talked about last week, on our show about the art aspect of it. Um, There's a lot of artists that that do polo, and they have some phenomenal artwork uh, there at the museum uh, in Lakewood. The Hall of Fame honors the heroes of the sport, each year inducting icons uh, of the past and eligible living heroes of polo. The Hall of Fame Induction Awards Dinner Gala uh, takes place each year on the Friday of President's Day Weekend in February, so uh, they'll be that. We've had that, and it's very exciting, you know, for the people that go in there. But what I like about it is the, the lighting uh, and, and the the way the polo museum is set up. It's just unbelievable. Uh, it's a beautiful facility. They have people uh, that there uh, that work there that are walking around. They'll be glad to talk with you and tell you exactly what it's about. Uh, answer any of your questions that you have, um, you know, and then they'll direct you how to get to the nearest polo field. Now, uh, one of the things that polo does is a lot of times you can catch practice matches um, during the week. Um, They'll come out and have a a practice match against uh, various polo clubs in the area, and then on Sundays they have the big um, United States Polo Association uh, matches that are the ones that go for the for the big money and go for the international recognition. Uh, Paul uh, matches and also, but it's a great place. It's in Lake Worth, Florida, and I, I would suggest go to it, uh, and take a look and see what they have there, and spend a couple of hours there looking at it. Who you knows? So you might be able to get a match that weekend that you go. Um,
0: one of the things
1: that we're going to talk about now, and I'm always trying to talk about uh, and, and say things um, about um, helping the horse industry, the equine industry, and each association has its own um, program set up for uh, festivals, events, um, um, you know, contributions, uh, uh, how they support their industry you know, uh, in the equine industry, um, whether it's a festival or, you know, art sale or, you know, equine sale, that type of thing. But a lot of the state's agriculture departments get behind um, all these equestrian uh, events. And one of the things that uh, I'm really familiar with a lot is KBIF awards, nearly $15.9 million uh, is being uh, allocated to the Kentucky breeders. It's a shared $15.9 million payday for Kentucky thoroughbred horse breeders, as the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission announced uh, the release of the 2021 Kentucky thoroughbred breeders incentive funds, totaling $15.9 million for Kentucky breeders. Every thoroughbred farm, big or small, uh, contributes to the equine industry, combined an economic impact of $6.5 billion to the state of Kentucky. Which also employs 60,494 Kentuckians, um, in the, in the business. Um, said Governor Andy Bershire. Kentucky is known for the horse capital of the world for a reason. And it's important we support those in, in this industry to ensure the continued success. In fact, the Kentucky bred horses had 315 group and grade, graded wins. Including Mystic Guide to win the prestigious Dubai World Cup, an international race that attracts horses from all over the world. This year's winner, uh, this year's winners of 4,412 races, including 299 graded races, uh, received awards here in Kentucky. Since KBIF. Was implemented in 2005 to ensure the strength of the Kentucky equine industry by awarding funds to individuals who choose to breed a thoroughbred in the state of Kentucky. To qualify, the resulting uh, foal must remain in the state during gestation, and in the final uh, in, during gestation and the final award amounts are based on the foal's eventual earnings at the racetrack. So. Uh, you know, it's really important that we support the farms and, and that this money goes to a good, good, you know, cause to help stabilize and promote the economy. And when you think about it, 6.5 billion is 60,494 people. That's a lot of people that that have come into the, uh, to the state and local communities that are shopping at Walmart and Burger King's and, uh, you know, uh, going to the hospitals and, uh, buying cars and renting houses and buying houses and everything. That's a lot of people, you know, when, when you look at it, uh, you know, to help the economic impact of the horse industry. Um, the, the KBF uh, BIF is funded through a percentage of sale taxes paid when a stallion is bred to a mare in Kentucky. Since the fund's inception, more than $200 million has been distributed to Kentucky breeders for winning eligible races worldwide. For a complete list of 2021 award winners, the statistics, go to the thebloodhorsedaily.com and everything. So, it's just, you know, one, one of the ways that we're helping the horse industry, uh, you know, in the state of Kentucky and state of Florida and New York and Missouri and, you know, all over the United States to, um, you know, help them uh, have success and, and get their their um, programs going and and uh, not have to struggle as much. Uh, so it's really good. So now uh, after talking about the breeding program and why people breed the horses it's because they like to get on to the uh, road to the Kentucky Derby 2022. Uh, the standings are and I'll just give you the top four or five here um, and, and they change every weekend because of the derby points that are allotted and um, uh to the ones that win races and, and the ones that uh, don't do so well. Um uh, this week uh, classic causeway. He's a giant causeway uh, out of American private war uh, private world. Um his stakes earnings are two hundred forty six thousand uh, one hundred dollars. Uh, career earnings is three hundred and one thousand dollars. Um he's trained by Brian Lynch. And Brian has got a whole bunch of derby horses this year. That's classic colors. Well, you'll be seeing him coming up here racing soon in the next week or two. Um, Papa Camp, um, it's a gun runner cult, uh, by Papa Scat. It's a $558,000 in stakes earnings, $596,000 in career earnings and trainer Mark Cassie. Uh, Mark's a great trainer. Uh, his day is coming. Uh, he, he's getting close to the derby wins and, uh, he, his day's coming. He's a good trainer, consistent. And whenever you see a Mark Cassie horse in a race, you got to beat him. Uh, that's for sure. Then we have Epic Center. Um, not this time, uh, Stallion, Silent Candy. Um, he's got, uh, let's see here. In stakes turning, he's got $100,000. In total earnings, he's got $170,000 earnings. earnings, trained by Steve Aspies. Uh, just a really great, great uh, horse there. I think he's going to do a lot of things uh, for Westwind Farms and Winchell Thoroughbreds. I think he's going to do it uh, for them. And then we have um, White Abario, uh Race Day Catching Diamonds. Uh, and race Day is a stud, uh, Catching Diamonds, the mare. Uh, he has uh, 12 points. Uh, all the above horses that we just talked about had either 16, had 16 points, uh, from Classic Causeway, and then Cap and Epic Center had 14. Uh, Whitey Barrow has 12, uh, points. He's got $186,000, uh, in stakes earnings, 240000 total. Um, it's, uh, Spencer Farm Horse, and, uh, Sophie Joseph Jr. trains it, and, uh, he, he's a good horse. He just recently won, uh. Uh, here in Florida, uh, it, it was, a, I mean, it was a uh, race that he just dominated, uh, you know, there, that was the Holy Bull Stakes last weekend. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. And McDonagall, uh, this horse has been in the hunt for a lot of things, uh, this year. Uh, he's trained by Todd Fletcher and, uh, he's an Uncle Mo, uh, calling Mrs. Brown, um, mayor. He's earned $161,000, $221,000 total. And this horse has been in the hunt with it. He's been in a lot of tough competition, um, state races and everything. So he's, he's really proven. And the only thing I see him is getting better as he gets a little bit older. Um, you know, he he's going to be uh, really a nice, nice horse down the way. Another horse that everybody is really high on is he's a nice rated horse. His name Smile Happy, a run-happy horse out of a pleasant smile. He's got 10 points and $234,000 in stakes earnings, 284 all the, in total earnings, uh, which is really a, a good, good, good uh, Horse. Uh, he, he's been around, and he shows promise every time he runs. He just gets better. But this is um, this is my long shot horse on the Derby Trail. I think he's going to be there uh, for uh, Doug O'Neill. Uh, he's got ten points. He's a Nyquist horse out of Edwina. In there, his name Slow Down Andy, and, and that's exactly what they're going to. He's going to have to do to slow down. They're going to have to slow him down in order to get you. But I think he's the long shot. Doug O'Neill trained, uh, good good California horse. And uh, he he's a runner now. There ain't no two ways about it. He is a flat out runner. And he just needs a little racing lot. And he needs uh, the only thing stopping him from winning the Derby is just a little bit of racing and getting to the fifth and uh, first Saturday in May for the Derby. Uh, so that that's kind of like uh, our Derby horses of the week. Um now we're gonna talk about uh, the Derby dust, and we're not gonna go through all the derby dust, and we're just gonna go through the top three or four here up here. Uh, Rattle and Roll is at is at the top of the list. Uh, uh, the owner and trainer is uh Lucky Seven Stable Kenny McPeak is the trainer. Um he he's a nice brand, Kentucky bred horse. Uh the February twelfth victory in the Sam Davis States and uh, Tampa Bay Downs um from Classic Causeway was encouraging to see uh see from a form compression standpoint. Um this code is just is really nice. Uh he defeated him by four and three quarters length in the Claiborne Breeders Security in Caelan last year. Uh not as far along in conditioning as Kenny McPeak and other leading three-year-olds, uh, would like to be, but Rattle and Row targeted as a March return. Uh, his training should amp up soon after two relatively mediocre or moderate half miles, uh, works at Gulfstream. Uh, really nice. And then, um, again, this goes to how you show you point-wise, uh, smile happy was at nine, but, um, Uh, From the expert's opinion, he's at uh, number two on the uh, Derby Dozen list. Um, This horse, like I said, is nice. The 8-1 favorite among individual bounty choices in the pool, in the early pool uh, three, of the Kentucky Derby Future Wager is perfect in two starts, both around two turns. So, uh, you know, that says a lot for him coming into Churchill in the Derby. He's got the two-turn experience. Uh, the second of those victories came November 27th in the Jockey Club Stakes, um, in in which, uh, he defeated three of uh, the next outgraded stakes winners. Um, we'll get our first look at him as the three-year-old February 19th in the Risen Star, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Um, that, that, that race is going to be really, really a strong one. Um, then. And uh, white Abario, uh, going back to him and and he, he just popped out of nowhere here last week. Um he in the Holy Bull. After rolling in the Holy Bull, plans for him to remain idle until April 2nd, curling Florida Derby, the Gulf Stream in recent years is where he'll be. So they're gonna give him a good time off uh to run, come back and run in the Florida Derby. So they think that he's good enough to do the things that he's doing. And let me tell you something. When they st- when they got a horse that they can lay off from um, April, uh, from February 5th to April 2nd, it's going to be a project in itself. Uh, he must be really good. Uh, they're taking their time with him, and they're just going to bring him along slowly. They're going to let him recover from the holy bull, get him back in shape, and get him ready to run and see what they can do. And then, um, like we said, on, on how they get there and our journey to the 2022 Kentucky Derby, uh, we had a couple of stake races here um, last week. Um, one of them was the El Camino Royale Derby. Uh, it, it was a great great race. uh had some nice horses in it. Um, the thing that I, I liked about it, it was the full feel. And uh again it, it was it was nice, really nice. Uh Bob Baffert uh he showed up and he had um a, a nice good horse to run here, Black Adder. Uh um, Bob Baffert trained. Uh he ran he went it by a neck. Um he come from way back off the pace to win it. Uh he went too wide and duel dug in and he went the race by a neck. And, uh, oh man, he's something else there. Doug O'Neill, uh, he ran second, uh, with McKinnon, which people have tabled for a long time of him being a, a potential Derby, uh, favorite. Um, he was really good. Uh, he came a long, long way back, uh, to be there with, uh, with Bob Baffert's horse. And it was kind of exciting, you know, to see those two horses go. And I look forward to seeing them again. But um, those are West Coast horses, and, and you probably won't see them come east, um, you know, until, until the derby time coming up. There's a lot of, not a lot, but uh, a couple of good stake races for them out there on the West Coast that they can go into. And, and I, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to figure it all out. We've got so many good horses that are popping up um, and, and jumping up, you know, into the poles and one week, and then the next week they're down. Uh, that type of thing. And I, I'll give you a good example. One of the horses that, uh, I have a, a little bit of an interest in, uh, it, it excited me because, uh, I love distorted humor cults. Uh, it is called Iron Works. Iron Works is the name of him. He's trained by Todd Pletcher. Um, he broke his first mate, maid, his maiden the first time out at Gulfstream going six furlongs. Uh, he ran a great race, uh, didn't bother him. Then he comes back to run a mile a few weeks later and he's going around two turns and he, he had a little bit of, um, issue going into the gate, but, uh, he went into the gate, uh, nothing, you know, that was, uh, major, you know, just something that a, a young horse, uh, has to learn. And the other thing was that it's in two turns for the first time in the crowd in the grandstands. Um, for two turns so he did really good he made up a lot of um, a lot of ground uh when he when he was coming uh, uh down in that mile going a mile and so todd really thought a lot of him and uh, he said the next start for him will be the tampa bay derby and um so you know you've got a horse that's lightly raced but yet he shows enough talent that warrants to be in the Tampa Bay Derby, and a lot of horses are going to be in that Tampa Bay Derby, especially out of the Sam Davis over here. Um, that classic Causeway, that was up at the top of our list there on um, the Derby dozen. Uh, he he ran uh, in the Sam F. Davis. Uh, it was a Grade Three, going a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt. Um, it was a thirteen horse field. You know, so he had he had to do some work to get to this one, and he wins it by a uh, three and three quarter length. Um, you know, he, he I read Hort, Ortez was in the irons and said the horse really uh, really did show him a lot of potential uh, for that for that race. It's a Brian Lynch trained horse. And uh you know I'm sitting here going down through looking at the list and uh there's a lot of these horses were eliminated for the Kentucky Derby trail uh um, this year or that race, and you'll see them on a lot of undercard races and later on in the summer and as they get older and get a little bit more experience but uh that that uh Sam F Davis was a tough race um you know they're thirteen horse field, and it, and they were all good horses in there. Uh, very, very good horses, um, you know, for for this time of year. And the interesting part about it is is the way that the races have panned out and the way the trainers have run. Uh, a lot of trainers are desperately trying to get enough points for the Kentucky Derby this year. Uh, me being on the end of, the end of this uh, um, journey, uh, or actually in the middle of the journey, uh, with Ironworks, um, he, he he might come up and and win the Tampa Bay Derby. That's his next start. And he, if he wins the Tampa Bay Derby, he's in a position to get enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby. So then you gotta really plan out where you go, what you do with him, uh, you know, what derby derby preparation can you get in there to make sure you got enough derby points. You know that type of thing because when you get to this stage staging point of the game, every race that you run between now and the first of uh, May, Saturday in May, is going to be high quality. You know, uh, tough races, and you're going to have to earn them. And it really gets it really going to get tough. Um, on On the 19th of February, uh, we have uh, the what they call the Risen Star Stakes. It's a Grade Two. It's from the Fairgrounds in New Orleans. It's a four hundred thousand dollar adding and it's got a ten horse field. And there here comes my uh my long shot in here uh for Doug O'Neill. It's Slow Down Andy. Uh, he's a cowbred and they brought him East uh to run and uh he he's kinda he's kinda really be tested uh Saturday to see uh, uh what he's gonna do. That that's post time is uh, six fifty eight Eastern time. Uh, we got Papa Cat that's in there for Mark Cassie that we just talked about. Um, uh, he, he's tough. He, he's tough. We got an Epic Center uh, for Steve Ashmusen. Um He's tough. Uh, you know, it, it's Smile Happy. Uh, he's in there. He's tough. Um, you know, so we're we're sitting here. We're looking at horses that that uh, three or four of them. You know, have uh, run against each other or are getting close. Uh, I tell you, a horse, too, Pioneer of Medina, um, Todd Pletra's horse, uh, he's going to be a factor in that race. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, to go from Florida all the way to uh, Louisiana for this race, um, you know, says a lot about the quality of the horse that are taken down there. And so I, I'm really thinking, you know, that uh, uh, these trainers, now it's a trainer's mind game and owner's game. Uh, where do you get there? Uh, you know, a lot of sometimes you sit back and think like, how did I get myself in a position to get a horse that possibly could run and win the Kentucky Derby and be in a position where you might not have enough points to get him, get him into the Derby? You know, and that's one of the things that you got to look at. in that planning that you have, you kind of evaluate your horse at the beginning when you start getting the horse in your barn and you start to see how he progresses, how he recovers from works, how he recovers from racing, uh, the things that you have to work on, uh, how many of them are natural, how many of them are uh, things that you're going to have to, you know, uh, find an answer to. You know, why does he act up in the starting gate? You know, why does he not like dirt, he say? Um, You know, there's just so many things that uh, you got to, you know, really worry about. Uh, at this time, it's a stage and time of the game, so now we have uh, coming up here. Uh, we got the Risen Star on the 19. Um, there's 50 points uh, to the winner, 20 to second, 10 to third, and four to uh, in fourth place. You get five, and uh, that, that's a nice race. There, you get a lot of points. You get in there and you win that thing, and you're almost guaranteed a Kentucky Derby spot and uh, add it to any points that you might have. Um, then they have the highest at stake in uh, Japan, um, it's on February 20th, and uh, they have, um, they have uh, 30 points to win, 12 for second, 6 for third, 3 for fourth. It's uh, $321,000, uh, going a mile, about a mile, uh, so that, that's going to be, uh, a nice race over there. And it's unlikely that these Japanese horses come out, out to go to the Derby because the, the money's so good in Europe and in Asia. And then on the 26th, we have the Rebel Stakes. Um, it's another Kentucky Derby race, uh, 50 points to uh, the winner, uh twenty ten and 5. It's uh, the Rebel Stakes. It's a... It, uh, uh, a Nice, nice race to run in. If you can win it, that, that sets you right up for the Arkansas Derby, uh, which is uh, which is a nice uh, race to to win and go into uh, the Kentucky Derby with um, uh, a tight fit horse. Uh, then we have the John Bettagula Stakes uh, uh, Memorial Stakes. It's uh, March 5th. Uh, you get 10 for win, uh, four for second, two for third, and one for fourth. So it's a, it's a smaller race there, um, you know, for them, but it's a lot of people have used that to tighten them up right before the, before the derby, you know, comes in. You might be able to get by with, you know, getting that in March 5th and then, you know, that's too much away for the next derby. But now we get into the real meat of them, to the real races that are, are really going to really, uh, set you, uh, up front. Um, it's March 5th. We have the Fountain of East Stakes at Gulfstream. Uh, we have the Gotham Stakes, uh, coming up from Aqueduct to San Felipe, coming, uh, from California. And, uh, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. We got the Road to the Kentucky Derby condition stakes out of Europe on March tonight. And we had the Patent Stakes on March 11th out of Europe. Uh, you might see somebody come out of there to come over and try to test the waters here. And then on January, uh, uh, so that's where what, that's what we're looking at, you know, that was a good January that we had. Uh it was good all the way around. And you know, folks, the whole thing that we're trying to do here, and I know I awkwardly stumbled through a lot of this stuff, but my whole goal is here in International Equine Network is to become the distribution outlet for the equine industry. You know, we're going to get some announcers in here and some people in here to, to you know, help me get this, get through these things. But the whole long and short of what we're doing at International Equine Network and our uh, our, our website is to distribution of equine information. And you don't have to be an equestrian to uh, go to our site. Uh, you don't have to be an equestrian to go to these uh, events. Um, the whole long and short of it is, is make a family day out of it uh, or make a family weekend out of it or make it a family week. Uh, it's something you can do on vacation. It's year-round, and all you got to do is go to the websites or go to our website and click onto their uh, link, and you can see what they have going on there, and uh, that's, that's what we're trying to do. they are trying to promote the equine industry, um, whether you're... Involved in it, or you're from the outside, Uh, go to an equine event in your area. Just Google equine events for your area, and you will have a great time. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. You will not. You might be wearing a cowboy hat someday, and uh, you might have a cow. You might have a cowboy hat on, but no cows. You know, so that's what it's all about. So stay tuned next week uh, at 1 o'clock on Thursday for International Equine Report. Give us a call uh, at any time at 561 and let us know what you, your opinion is, and uh, we'll go from there. So until next Thursday, have a great week.